if you are visiting with us for the first time this morning, uh, you probably saw the sign out front that indicated that uh, Pastor Ken Todd uh, would be speaking tonight, you know, or this morning as usual. Uh, however, what was your first clue that I'm not uh, Pastor Ken Todd? Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, actually, uh, the reason I'm wearing this is because my wife is going to have her picture taken today for the uh, for our uh, directory, and uh, it turns out we aren't. But uh, you know, I was ready for it. I didn't want her to make her look bad by standing next to her, so I thought, well, I'll dress up a little bit. So, so it's uh, actually any occasion to uh, you know, I almost forgot how to how to unbutton these things. You know, they, they, it was very difficult for me this morning. I haven't done it in such a long time. And I use a four-in-hand knot for those of you that are peculiar. Uh, yeah. Let's see. It's the balanced way. All right. Uh, I really appreciate that songs. We will know there are Christians by our love. Uh, what we're going to be talking about today and two weeks from now, I, I, I have seven points. You know, you know what happened last week when Pastor had eight points? You know, I had to race through it. Well, he gave me two weeks to do this. Uh, next week we'll have Jim Arnold. Uh, it's a, uh, a missionary uh, coordinator from uh, IGM is going to be talking to us about IGM and about what he does there. So I get uh, this Sunday and I get two Sundays from now. So I won't try to force it all into one Sunday. But uh, the song that we sang really has to do with the covenant that uh, you'll, you can read in the back of your hymnal. It's the very last uh, page in our hymnal. Actually, it's glued to the back, uh, in the inside of the back cover. And you get a lot of do's and don'ts, but you don't, don't get a lot of whys. You know, why are you doing this? And so what I like to do is cover in, in seven sections uh, the why. Now, you have uh, in your bulletin uh, an extra sheet, and it's going to be my, uh, my outline. And uh, what we're going to do is we're going to cover each one of these things. Now, I, I left some blanks in there so that you'd have to stay awake and you have to fill in the blanks. But, but I, have the, uh, I have the Scripture down there, and what we're going to do is, is go through uh, the Scripture. And uh, what it, I, I think, obviously, the first place to start in anything that you're talking about in terms of a relationship with Jesus Christ is to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And uh, I'm going to title this, and, it, and it's going to seem strange, but we're, we're, going, to, we're going to see how it works. Uh, give up your rights to gain your freedom. Give up your rights to gain your freedom. So you can, you can write that into your, into your notes. And, you know, we normally think that I'm free... Uh, I live in a free country. I have all of my rights, and I get to establish, uh, you know, uh, I get to do anything I want to do because it's my right to do it, and, and we see how much trouble that we get into by doing that. But what we're going to do is we're going to learn, really, who is a true disciple of Jesus Christ? Uh, who is a true learner? Uh, who is a true follower? Uh, I... Uh, I didn't go to kindergarten, okay, and that's probably where I started failing in my life. But, but I spent another, I spent another uh, 12 years, you know, to get, get get through high school, and I spent four years to get through college. Uh, I spent two years to uh, get a master's degree, and then uh, 50 years ago, I came to Rochester to start on a PhD program at at the University of Rochester, and, and it really wasn't until I got to the University of Rochester that I found out what a true disciple was. Now, admittedly, I wasn't saved. I didn't know anything about Jesus Christ. But there's a process that you go through. Uh, there are people who uh, audit a course. You know, you can, you can sign up. You pay a little bit because you get some of the material, and you get to audit the course. Now, one thing about auditing the course is you're not held responsible for anything. Okay, you never have to take a test. Nobody's ever going to ask you, you know, did you learn anything? You're auditing. Uh, I want to make sure that we don't come to church to be auditors, okay? So we don't come to church to say, okay, well, that was good. You know, I was there for an hour, and I, you know, it's a good sermon. Um, yeah, it really made sense. 
Um, yeah, I can, I can see that point. But if I don't apply it to my life and I'm going to say I'm not going to be responsible for that, then we're ignoring the fact that Jesus Christ is going to be our judge and he's going to hold us responsible. To him that knoweth to do good and knoweth and doeth it not, to him it is sin. So let's, uh, let's look at uh, Matthew chapter 7. You can pull that up in your Bible. It's in the New Testament, very beginning, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Uh, chapter 7, it's part of the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, uh, not everyone who says unto me, Lord, Lord, will enter into uh, the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we, didn't we prophesy in your name, drive out demons in your name, do many miracles in your name? Then I will announce to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you lawbreakers. And, you know, the key word in there, I think, is I never knew you. So it's not a question of what we do. It's a question of whether we know Jesus Christ, because he is the one that's going to be our, our judge. Uh, he's going to be our Lord. And you can do all kinds of things, even as members of, of uh, Harvest Bible Fellowship. Uh, you know, we're not immune from this. So it's not a question of what we do. The question is whether or not we know Jesus Christ. Now, we can know when we know Jesus Christ, we'll find out that we're going to do uh, as well. But uh, the important point there is you've got to start out. The basics is knowing Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Uh, and then uh, we're going to skip a couple verses there, and we're going to uh, look at verses 26 and 27 of Matthew 7. Everyone who hears these words of mine and doesn't act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the rivers rose, and the winds blew, and pounded that house, and it collapsed, and its collapse was great. So if we say, I know what I can do, I I don't need God's help. I don't need his direction. Uh, I'm just going to be uh, uh, nice to people. I, I think we call this the social gospel. You know, we're, we're doing the right things. We're helping people physically. But Jesus has more in mind than that. Uh, the Jews were asked after what they could get Jesus, from Jesus physically. They liked the fact that he fed people. You know, 5,000 Jews, 4,000 uh, Gentiles. I mean, that was just... Those were just the men, you know, not to, not to, they didn't even bother counting women and children back then. But, but the point is that Jesus said, don't talk about this. In other words, this feeding you isn't the important thing. The important thing is knowing Jesus Christ. And the people who talked about just the physical part were missing the fact that you might live for 70 years or 100 years or Methuselah's case, what is it, 969 years or something like that. But you still have an eternity. And... Jesus was interested more, not, not just in the now, but he's interested in, in an inter, eternal re, uh, relationship with him. Um, the Jews had a, had a problem. Um, they were saying, uh, we're descendants of Abraham. And this is in John 8. Uh, don't, don't lose Matthew 7. We're going to come back to that. But in John 8, we are descendants of Abraham. Uh, they answered him, and we have never been enslaved to anyone. Boy, they have short memories. You know, they've forgotten about Egypt. They've forgotten about uh, Babylon. You know, they've forgotten about every time that, uh, uh, you, know, you know, during the time of the judges where, where people came in and, and, uh, and essentially enslaved them, held them in tribute. Okay, uh, we've never been enslaved to, enslaved to anyone. How can you say we will become free? Uh, so Jesus, he didn't bother to remind them about, about what I just said, but... He, uh, he, he responded, I assure you, everyone who commits sin is a slave of sin. A slave does not remain in the household forever, but a son does remain forever. Therefore, if the Son, capital S, uh, Son of God, Jesus, sets you free, you will really be free. So, it's, again, it's, it's personal relationship, and we need to be free from sin. So this is what, what God is interested in is holiness. He's interested in us being in the world but not of the world. Uh, he's interested in us having his agenda, not our agenda, not our political agenda, not uh, you know any 
any special thing about, you know, whether you eat meat or you don't eat meat or anything like that. You know, it's not, it's not about that. It's about his agenda. And his agenda is making sure that everybody knows uh, the gospel. And he would love it if everybody responded to the gospel. And we know uh, that they don't. But uh, here we have, in these verses, we have what a, dis- a true disciple is not. So the Jews in Jesus' time re- uh, represent people... And they wanted Jesus on their own terms. They were, they were going to take him by force so that he would be their king and give them uh, freedom from the Romans. That's what they cared about. Uh, freedom from drought, uh, you know, so that they didn't have enough food. Uh, and they knew that he could feed all that he wanted because he, you know, he could feed as many as he wanted. He'd just make bread and fish turn into more than enough for everybody. Okay, they wanted the benefit of the king who provided health and wealth. You ever heard that today? It's all about health and wealth. You know, what about today? Uh, I'm going to pray that God would uh, uh, bless me uh, because I'm doing work in his name, and he ought to bless me if I'm doing work. Well, you know, work in your name, is I mean, that's works. Uh, We're not saved by works. We're saved by grace. Uh, We're going to talk about that more later. Uh, Okay, health and wealth, but they were unwilling to admit their sin and unwilling to live in obedience to him. So it's, uh, they call him Lord, Lord. Haven't we done all these things in your name? But uh, as Lord, what they're saying is, I'm willing to do anything you say. Uh, But they weren't doing it. Um, They were slaves to their sinful habits and wouldn't let them go. So I know what I know. and I, uh, but I got a problem, and I don't, but I'm not willing to give up what I know. Okay, I'm going to move over here. This is the word of God here. So, okay, um, an example. Yesterday, I committed myself to fixing the girls' dryer. Okay, so they wanted to swap dryers. Now, don't get ahead of me. You know, you know, know the end of the story. Don't don't get ahead of me. Don't say anything. Uh, they. Uh, they swapped their dryers. So, uh, so we swapped dryers, and then we, it's not until not so we got there that we noticed that the plug on the back of this dryer is three-prong, and the socket is four-prong. Okay, in the other house, the uh, plug was four-prong, and the socket was three-prong. So I don't want to, be, I don't want to rewire the house. Okay, and, and I, don't want to, I don't want to have to, you know, these, these plugs are all formed. You know, I don't want to have to change that. So it turns out what you can do is you can take the back off the, uh, the dryer in one house and you disconnect the cord and you take it over to the other house, open up, take that cord off and plug this one in. And then you, you, know, you go off and you do the same thing in the other one. So anyway, the, uh, one of them worked just fine. The other one, uh, turn it on, nothing happens. You know, you flip the switch, you know, hit the start button, nothing happens. Okay, you get the idea? I was a slave to my way. I knew what I had to do. I'm smart, after all. Okay? I've taken courses. I mean, at, at Kodak, you, you take courses on how to deal with power. You know, you make sure that, you know, things are unplugged and all that kind of stuff. And so I know what I'm doing, right? Okay. We'll come back to this. Now, what a true disciple is. Um, stay in John, uh, John 8. We're going to back up a few verses, verses 30 to 32. Uh, As he was saying these things, many believed in him. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you continue in my word, you are really my disciples. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They didn't want to do that. They, had their, they knew it all. They knew what the truth was. They weren't going to change anything. But you've got to follow his word, because he knows more than you do. And this is why we need each other. Okay. Naomi and I are looking at this thing. It's plugged in. All the wires are connected. We got the thing dials in the right place. And it doesn't work. We go down and we check all the breakers. Everything's fine. We check the wires. Where are they going? Yeah, they go here. Yeah, okay. I don't know. We go upstairs again. Let's try this one more time. It doesn't work. Mary Ann comes over. She takes one look at the dryer. She closes the dryer door. (laughs) 
So when you think you know it all, uh, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not. And there are times in my life when I don't bother to ask, and I don't bother to uh, even get somebody else's opinion. You know, I'll say, well, you know, everything I know has been taken care of. Uh, I don't use a dryer enough to know that you've got to close the door. Uh, so in any way, uh, the truth will set you free. God is the source of truth. Um, and we go on to, uh, back to Matthew. Uh, there's a couple of verses we left out in the middle of Matthew. Because uh, he had talked about the, uh, the one who doesn't act on in them is like a foolish man who builds his house on the sand. But everyone who hears the words of mine and acts on them will be like a sensible man who builds his house on the rock. And the rains fell, and the rivers rose, and the winds blew and pounded that house. Yet it did not collapse because its foundation was on a rock. So we need to uh, make sure that if we're about God's business, uh, that God is the one that's directing us. Uh, he will make sure that we don't miss something. Uh, he will fill in the gaps. Uh, we, uh, we're imperfect. I don't have all the answers. Uh, I expect you, I mean, I know I'm being held accountable for what I'm teaching here today, just as Sunday school teachers downstairs are being held accountable for what they're teaching the children. Uh, you need to pray for teachers. Uh, God holds teachers uh, uh, more accountable than people who are just listening. And God holds pastors uh, accountable. And they have to answer to God for how they lead the church. Uh, this primary responsibility for this falls on Pastor Ken. Uh, now, one of the other things that, uh, that in ways that you can help is you need to be good Bereans. So when you see that I'm missing something, that you can, you can actually uh, point it up uh, later or even now, I don't know if I'm really saying something wrong. So now, so how does this all work out? Number one, uh, this is this is my belief. Now you get different people that do different things, but I mean, there's a there's the people who say God does everything, uh, but we know that man has a responsibility, and I believe that the sequence is this. First of all, uh, the Holy Spirit speaks to your heart, and we're we're actually born again by the Holy Spirit. Uh, we, we all of a sudden have a new nature. God does this. He did it with me. I, I was 33 years old, and God all of a sudden, just between 10 and 11 o'clock on the second uh, to the last Sunday in June of 1974, that would be 50 years ago, uh, or 40 years ago, rather, uh, he gave me a new nature. All of a sudden, I saw my sin. And uh, now... A true disciple understands that he's been self-centered, as I did, that I'm in rebellion against God, uh, which I, I recognized, and that I was separated from him, and there wasn't anything that I could do to reestablish that. Uh, I mean, I was, I was, I was a sinner. I, I, I pled guilty. But... Uh, uh, as well as... Knowing that, I heard the Word of God, and the Word of God says that Jesus died on the cross for, uh, to pay the penalty for my sin. And now, there's another step which, which some people, uh, you know, it takes them a long time to discover in their lives. You need to humble yourself, you know, before God, you know, confess your sin. And at that point, you're actually, you know, free from the... the uh, the power of sin. Uh, when you're born again, I, I believe you're, you're free from the, the penalty of sin, but God is not going to just let you uh, hang out there. He's going to make sure that you understand, to make sure that you uh, are actually uh, putting your life in his hands. So a true disciple has a personal relationship now. You know, here's, here's something that Jesus did for him. I'm putting myself in his hands. I have a personal relationship and I'm going to try to try to follow his commands. That's all we can do is try. And I hate my tendency to disobey God's commands. Every once in a while I do. I hate it when I do it. And although I've been declared righteous, I have unrighteousness. Now here's the difference. You've got silver plate, 
And what happens when you scratch the silver off the silver plate? You know, you see what's on the inside, and then it rusts. You know, and then you got, you know, it's not it's nice not nice to use anymore when you got got silverware that you know has this this nonsense in it. And so, that's that's not a a, a, a true Christian. That's not a born again Christian. A born again Christian is somebody who's sterling silver. That means silver all the way through, because God starts on the inside and He works out. But what happens when you just let silver lay around? You get, well, a nice way of saying it, they call it patina. <laughs> but it's really, it's tarnish. And if you want your silver to look good, what you've got to do is you've got to clean off the unrighteousness. On the inside, it's righteous. You've got to clean off the unrighteousness. And when we're Christians and we fail to do what we know we should do, then it means we were covered with unrighteousness. I'm not unrighteous. I, on the inside, I'm righteous. But on the outside, uh, I look like I'm unrighteous. I need to go to God, and I need to confess my sin before Him. And when I do that, He is faithful and just to forgive my sin and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. So that's, uh, that's the... This is what I'm doing in order to give up you know, my rights so I can gain my freedom. Now I am free to serve God. I'm, I'm free in my relationship with Him and my communion with Him. So uh, we have this process from sin, uh, and we go to un, which is unrighteousness. We want to change that over to righteousness. Well, it's the same thing as holiness, which is the same thing as, uh, you know, I'm sanctified. I'm set apart for God's use. Uh, I went from being independent. In other words, it's all about me to being dependent. You know, it's all about God. So in conclusion, you know, are you willing to give up your agenda to your plans uh, and take up God's agenda? Uh, and you can enjoy the freedom from the power of sin. You really can. Uh, a person, I mean, this is what baptism is all about. I think uh, Pastor Jim's going to be talking about baptism in, in, in weeks to come, but... Uh, the, the whole point of baptism is I'm going to die to self. Dead men don't sin. I don't know whether you've ever noticed that. Nobody in a grave has ever been accused of you know, a parking ticket or anything like that. It's a, so, and you also enjoy having a part in God's perfect plan and enjoy his presence forever. But it's all about holiness. So uh, one of the other concepts that we have in our, uh, in our covenant is, is spending time in God's word. And it says, you know, you're supposed to read all the time. Okay, well, why? Okay, well, you can put on your your uh, little sheet here. Spend more time in the Word and less time in the weeds. Okay, so let's look at this. Let's see why it's beneficial to, to look into the Bible. Okay, in view of our goal of righteousness, consider... The second part of Psalm 119. So if you go to Psalm 119, Psalms is, uh, if you don't have a whole bunch of concordance and things like that, my Bible has, uh, this is a Thompson chain. I got that much of my Bible is, is uh, extra stuff. So if I split that in half, uh, I get to Psalms. Okay. This is, you, you learn this in junior church. So any of you that were in my junior church, uh, I know Becca was. Uh, Cheryl, were you ever in my junior church? No, uh, I know Nomi and Debbie, uh, I think you were at some time. We all learn, uh, you know, in sword drills, you know, how do you find, you know, books of the Bible, you know, particular verses very quickly. And, and uh, so, anyway, Psalm 119, they say, is in the middle of the Bible. And the middle verse of the Bible is, or the middle verse of 119 is supposed to be the middle verse of, of, of the Bible. And uh, the middle word of the... <laughs> but that's only in King James. All right, now, Psalm 119 is, is it, it's poetry, and I don't understand Hebrew poetry, but, but what they do is they start out uh, with a particular letter, and they have, they have a sequence of verses that all start out with, this, with the same letter. And you, you try doing that in English, you know, particularly when you get around to uh, Z. You know, how many times can you uh, start, a, start a sentence with a, with a letter Z? But the, uh, so anyway, the first eight verses uh, start with uh, the letter Aleph. Uh, the second eight verses start with the with the letter Beth, you know, all the way to the 22nd, and uh, everybody knows that 18 times 
22 is 176. Anyway, that's how many verses are in, in Psalm 119. So anyway, um, the letter Beth is, is the one that we're going to be looking at. That's uh, verses 9 through 16. Beth, the word Beth means house. So let's talk about making our heart uh, God's house or God's home. So we'll start out in verse uh, 9, Psalm 119.9. How can a young man keep his ways pure? By keeping in your word. So we're talking about holiness, uh, righteousness. So how do we do that? We do that by keeping in God's word. Well, we've got to understand how this works. So each of us came into the world, particularly after 30, 33 years in my case, I came in loaded with all kinds of misinformation, even how to get a dryer started, you know. But the, the point is that I came with all kinds of preconceptions, and a lot of this stuff has to be unlearned. Uh, you find that, that somebody who uh, takes, like, piano lessons, you know, if they've already been playing around with a piano for years and years, what they have to do is they have to unlearn a whole bunch of bad habits of how to use your fingers and whatnot in order to learn how to play the piano properly. And it's the same thing with any other instrument. And a lot of, and a lot of, uh, uh, a lot of Bible teaching is the same way. People come in with a, with a pre- preconceived notion, and they have a lot of trouble. They say, well, wait a minute, what, what, what about what I used to learn back in the religion that I used to be in? And you have to fight through that all the time. You say, let's just look at God's Word. So, um, we have this uh, misinformation, and we can only find, that the only place you're going to find the foundations for truth in this world is in the Bible. And the only way you're going to find out how to lead a pure life is in the Bible. Nobody talks about that. No, no, other, no other Bible talks about that. Holiness, you know, before God. Uh, so we must diligently uh, apply God's spoken word. And it's, it says to the young man, well, that means it's, it, it's, uh, it's never too late to start. I mean, you know, even if in, in, your, in your 80s, my mother was uh, 82 when, uh, when she came to the Lord, and that's when she started learning. So it, it, age is not the matter. It's, it's, uh, it's your maturity in, in Christ that's the matter. So, um, now I talked about a, uh, an auditor in a course. It's not being held responsible. Uh, by the time you get to the Ph.D. level, uh, well, at, in my master's degree program at the University of Vermont, uh, all of us graduate students were given a, a, a it was, you know, a course was in electrodynamics. I, you know, I remember that specifically because we have a homework assignment. We had like eight problems to do, you know, before the next class. We had to solve eight, eight different problems. And, of course, we would all work on them. And we would all share them together and things like that. And we all decided, let's not do number five and number three. And so, anyway, we'd get all the rest on it, and we'd turn it in. And this professor said, hmm, <laughs> I noticed that nobody worked on problems number three and five. Now, I would assume that that's coincidental, that, that you guys wouldn't have planned this. But let me guarantee you that if you get to another university at a higher level, that you won't get away with this. So on I went to uh, University of Rochester, and all the grades were on homework and on take-home exams. And if you didn't get a 100, you were on the bottom of the class. I mean, we worked and worked. We made sure that we did every single problem as best we could, and then we got together, and then we compared. Oh, yeah, you did it the same way, you got the same result. Uh, we're probably right. Oh, you got a different answer. Okay, one of us is wrong. Let's find out. Or you, got it, you did it a different way. Well, isn't that neat? But we got the same answer. And what we would do is we'd make check, and, and we made sure that we had 100% of our stuff. Okay, what we're talking about here is somebody who diligently applies God's spoken word. And, and this is the important part. You don't just take it and say, okay, I'm not responsible for it anymore. We have to diligently apply it to our life. Well, let's go to the next two verses, uh, verses 10 and 11. I have sought you with all my heart. Don't let me wander from your commands. I have treasured your word in my heart 
so that I might so that I might not sin against you. And everybody knows Psalm 119.11, you know, thy word I have hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. Okay, we must seek God's will constantly because we're prone to wander. I, you know, I have all these bad habits that I'm into, and I'm prone to go the wrong direction because of my misconceptions. And I need to be in God's word a lot. I need to be in there constantly so I can learn these things that aren't right. And so you got a problem. Uh, I had a problem uh, several years ago where somebody said, uh, we have a church bond here, and, and, and the bank won't lend us the money unless, uh, you know, unless uh, we have co-signers. And would you co-sign? I figured, well, church, you know, sure. You know, I'll help any way I can. Well, uh, about a week later, the pastor up and left, and, uh, you know, and, and including the guy that I had swapped with, you know, he had some feeble excuse why he needed somebody else to co-sign. And so I ended up with a debt that it took us a while to pay. And, and you know, you just throw away all the bad feelings about the fact that this guy was a real shyster and what he, what he had me do. But all you can do is say, I gave this to the Lord, and that guy is the one that's going to be responsible for it. But the whole point was, I, what I could have done, I, was, I could have gone over here and I could have said, is there anything in the Bible that has, has to do about co-signing? Well, I, you know, we're impatient. We've got to do things. And so I didn't have time to do that, so I was wandering in the weeds, and I ended up paying the consequences for it. So what we do is we memorize Scripture. You read as much as you can. You memorize as much as you can. And if you memorize, then you're not going to get out in the weeds. And you're going, to be, you're going to spend less time. I mean, I, I still have to remember. Let's see, what is it I remembered about? Excuse me. I, I, what is it I remembered about this? Uh, but it's going, to be, it's going to be short because it's going to be, it'll be something that's in me, something that I know. And that's why it's important, you know, to take courses to, to, to memorize. Why, why do people memorize the, the uh, multiplication tables in math? They don't have to figure it out every time. You know, it's just one of those things where, you, you know, you say that, that uh, you know, 22 times 8 is 176. You know, uh, so it's you didn't get up that. You just got to 12 by 12, right? <laughs> so the more you memorize, uh, also the more time you have to practice righteousness. Because you know, I know these things, and here I have an opportunity to use it. So I'm practicing righteousness. So I'm, I'm keeping that sterling, uh, you know, untarnished. I, I'm keeping it polished. Um, so the next verse, uh, Psalm 119.12, Lord, may you be praised. Teach me your statutes. Uh, so if you dutifully read and memorize Scripture, uh, even that, uh, you know, if I do it out of duty, uh, I want you to know that I have memorized the entire New Testament. Hmm. Okay, you know, I mean, this can be a source of pride, but it also can be a source of complacency. You know, I, I memorized it, but it doesn't mean anything to me. Uh, there are people who are very good at memorizing. Uh, there, was, there was one fellow I knew that, that memorized Proverbs. And I thought, wow, that must be really, really useful, you know. And I asked him a year later, I said, you know, has, I, I know that you memorized Proverbs. And he uh, said, yeah, yeah, I did. And I said, well, you know, have you found uh, times, you know, where, where it was really useful to you? Uh, no, not really. I was kind of disappointed. But, but you see, so it's not just the memorizing. Uh, it's a little bit more than that. It says, teach me your statutes. Okay. So it's not just me looking at the Word, reading the Word. I read through the Bible, uh, you know, once a month. You know? you know, that can be a source of pride. But if I say, God, teach me the Bible. Uh, Pastor Ken... Uh, you see, that requires humility on my part. I have to have a, a student-teacher relationship. I've got to say, I have something to learn. Please, Lord, teach me. And I'm dependent on the Lord and the Holy Spirit to, to make that meaningful in my life. Um, and it's, so it's that, that, that relationship with God is the, is the most important part because I'm saying, Jesus, I want you to teach me what this verse means. And in the time that we do that, you know, we're developing that relationship. So that's why we read is because we need to have that relationship with the Lord. We can't do it on our own. 
So we say we're going to, you know, we're going to read our Bible. We're going to be in our Bible constantly. Well, that's not all of it. Just remember to make, make the Lord part of your reading, part of your memorization, uh, to be able to, to uh, meditate. And I think, we're, you know, we're going to get that a couple of verses here. Uh, verse 13, with my lips I proclaim all the judgments from your mouth. So, uh, now, now here's a, okay, I don't remember. They say that it's a measure of who you respect by who you quote. Okay, I mean, if somebody is really important in your life, you're going to quote them a lot. And I am under tremendous conviction right now. Because I, I can quote you things out of Jane Austen's Pride and Prejudice. You know? I, I, can, I can quote you, you know, a phrase out of, uh, uh, what's that dark territory thing? Uh, I don't know, it's a Steven Seagal movie, but, you know, it, all it says is uh, uh, chance prefers the, the prepared mind. Uh, well, wh- why am I quoting those things? It's because I'm spending a lot of time in the world. Whereas, if I spend a lot of time in God's Word, I'm going to be quoting that. And that's what Jesus quoted when, when he was tempted by Satan. He, he responded with Scripture. And that's what we need to be. When we're going to be an encouragement to somebody, we need to be an encouragement not on a social level, but on a scriptural level. Something that, that, that God has already, uh, God has already uh, pointed out that's important. And he's the most important person that I know. And why don't I quote him? Well, that's a conviction on my part. I, uh, you know, you, you may be able to relate to that too. I don't know. Uh, but let's... Uh, I'm just saying that, you know, every one of us has little weak points that we have in our life, and that's, that's one of mine. Uh, verse 14, I rejoice in the way revealed by your decrees as much as in all riches. Another common theme you have in books, and I'm not going to quote anything here because I I don't remember, but it's a common theme that you hear about where uh, somebody won't do something, but if you pay them enough money, they will. So, um, and another thing is, how much is your integrity worth? So, if somebody... uh, you know, it's at the cashier, you know, they're taking out their credit card and they drop a $50 bill on the, uh, on the floor. You know, you're going to put your foot over it so they don't see it and, you know, pick it up later. Uh, what if it's only a $10 bill? What if it's only a quarter? What if it's a penny? You know, I mean, how much is your integrity worth? You know, we can look at this and we can say, you know, my God will supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I don't need that penny. I don't need the $50 bill. So we want to make sure that uh, we realize that God's word is really worth more than any riches that this world has to offer. Uh, A lot of people get wrapped up in their careers so that they can make more money. So, I mean, the whole reason for getting promotions is to make more money because the world has decided that that money is important. But the important thing for us to, to realize is that it's really uh, his word as it, as it directs our life. It's more important than any of these riches. So uh, one of the things I, I remembered uh, reading about uh, prisoners of war. In, uh, in the Second World War, the Japanese had prisoner of war camps. Uh, in in uh, Vietnam, they had uh, prisoner of war camps. Uh, I think today they just behead them. But uh, in prisoner of war camps, what they did is they got together. And one way or another, they communicated with each other. I remember this Sunday school song. I remember this verse. And, and what they would do is, is what one person remembers, everybody else would, would, uh, would try to remember and memorize themselves. And so some of these guys came back from POW camps knowing quite a bit of Scripture. And that's the hope that they had in their, in their uh, misery uh, was was the promises in God's word. So being personally taught by our loving master, we're slaves to him, he's our master, 
uh, but he loves us. He's, he's like no other slave owner that, that's ever been written about. Uh, he provides all of our needs. He takes care of us you know, for eternity. And that, that really, uh, I'm going to rejoice in that because it's a, it's a delight. It's not a burden that I have to, uh, that I have to do things for him. I'm reminded that, uh, what does it mean when a, when a pastor puts his watch on a podium? Absolutely nothing, right? But, but I think we're doing good. Uh, Psalm uh, 15, uh, 1915, I will meditate on your precepts and think about your ways. So meditation is, first of all, you, have to, you can't meditate on something unless you know it. You've got to memorize it first. All right, but meditation is a mental analysis of something we have experienced or memorized. So if you've experienced it, you, it's, it's a picture in your mind. You can, you can recall all the details. When you memorize something, it, it's the same thing. And what you do is you analyze this. Uh, and prayerful meditation uh, allows God to reveal applications. Uh, just like you know, quoting movies, you know, what it was to me, or, or the fact that somebody knows enough to close a dryer door. You know, I mean, those are, those are things, you know, they're pictures in your mind, you know, and, and they're, they reveal applications, you know, things that you can add to your, your repertoire. Um, and the more we learn from the God, and the more we see that applied to our lives and it, and it really gets applied successfully, uh, the more we want to learn. And uh, we, again, in, I mean, in graduate school, the more we learn, the more we realize we could apply this to other things. Uh, I studied acoustics. Uh, I, there were, I, I looked, uh, starting tomorrow uh, in Indianapolis is the, I don't know, 174th meeting of the Acoustical Society of America. I used to go to these every six months. Uh, they, they, you know, they get different cities every time. Uh, anyway, starting tomorrow, it's in Indianapolis. There are 14 consecutive sessions going on. On, I, I mean, I can't tell you everything that's going on. I mean, they got they got musical acoustics, they got speech and hearing, uh, they got medical acoustics, uh, they got uh, underwater acoustics. You know, for people that are in sonar systems, they got uh, you know physical acoustics for people like me that were into uh, uh, theoretical. You know, you don't work with numbers, you work with uh, you know, letters. You know, like density, uh, row is density, and you know that kind of stuff. And Anyway, there's all kinds of things. Uh, noise. What, what is, does noise affect your ability to, to listen? I, I mean, I can't, I would not be able to study if there was a TV set going on in a room. But some people, you know, they have to have that TV set. They've got to know that they're not alone. And, and so it's different on different people. And there's a session on that. There's a session on, uh, you know, how pile driving and, the, you know, when you're putting a pier down, uh, you know, affects uh, fish. Uh, you know, in the vicinity, uh, they got all kinds of stuff. And this goes on for five days, uh, several sessions a day, at 14 rooms, you know, per per session. I mean, all kinds of stuff. So the but the more you the more you learn about it, the more you say, I'd really like to know more about musical acoustics. Or I'd like to know why your voice is different from my voice, and you can actually analyze those things. You can you know the difference between a, a, a saxophone sound and a piano sound. Uh, you know, it's the same thing as as, as our voices. So you, you'd say, hey, I want to learn about that. So the more you the more you learn in God's Word, the more you want to learn. Say, all right, I learned how this works in my life. Now, how do I learn how to encourage this in your life? I mean, that, that that's the kind of a thing that we want to we want to broaden. Our, our knowledge of God's Word. In, uh, in verse 16, he says, I delight in your statutes. I will not forget your Word. And delight there means jump for joy. And uh, we're talking in Sunday school about the, uh, the fact that people were, when, when Jesus was up in uh, Tyre, uh, the region of Tyre and Sidon, that he healed people from that were deaf and dumb. Okay, it's not that they can't speak, it's just they don't know how to speak. So, you say you have this healing, and what, what we were trying to say, all right, first of all, he helped them hear. They've never heard before, now all of a sudden they can hear. Miracle number one, they can hear. Miracle number two, they can understand what they're hearing. 
They never heard a language before, and now all of a sudden they're understanding what they're hearing. Okay, miracle three, all of a sudden they know how to make the proper sounds. So not only can they hear, but they can, they can repeat, you know, they can, they can essentially uh, speak. And not just speak, but speak the language, understandably. So now we've got, we got like four different miracles there that Jesus would do to one person, and it was just all of a sudden, you know, like that. You know, they were, they were taken care of. And, and guess what this guy did? You know, Jesus said, don't tell anybody. <laughs> How can he not tell them? I mean, all he's got to do—I mean, all he's got to do—is open his mouth, you know, and and, uh, and he's telling everybody, and they know that this guy was deaf and dumb, and he's never been able to speak. Uh, oh, that's one of those sessions, by the way, is how to how to tell what you're saying. You did, did. So, and they use it in NTID so that people can sound right because they can't hear themselves because they really are hard of hearing. They can't they can't hear what they're saying, but they can see what they're saying on a on a, uh, on a uh, one of the presentations they have. All right. Now we would. So the question is, who would intentionally forget any truth uh, that they learned from God's word? Intentionally, I put the intentionally down there because it's, it's important. We can forget. So what, what the purpose here, what, what the thing we need to realize is we need to review constantly. Not only are we prone to wander, we're prone to forget. So as we go through God's Word, we need to do it uh, diligently. We need to do it prayerfully, making sure that we have that, that uh, student-teacher relationship. And we need to do it, uh, we need to apply it to our lives. And God will show us how to do that. And finally, we must continue to review, otherwise we forget. Uh, how many learned a foreign language when they were in high school? Yeah, two, three, four, five, a bunch of you. Uh, how many can still speak it? Uh, looking for a hand. <laughs> uh, Cheryl does still, she still, uh, I, I see her every once in a while, she'll do sign language. It's something she learned you know, a long time ago. Uh, maybe she's not completely fluent at it. Uh, you know, I can I can read French, but I no way can I speak it anymore. Uh, you know, I recognize some languages, but that's different. If you don't use it, you lose it. So uh, if you don't use the Word of God, if you're not continually in it, you're going to lose it. So a uh, question for you is the same as question for me. Uh, would we like to make more time in the Word and less time in the world. We'd like to spend more time in the, wor- in the Word. Did I say that right? More time in the Word, less time in the world. Uh, and I'd like to uh, spend more time in the Word and less time in the weeds. Otherwise, I, I, I don't want to be doing things that are, that are not beneficial to myself and to, to you all. Uh, if that's your wish, you know, that's another thing to pray for. Okay, we've got one more thing I'd like to do. And this is important. And I think we have, we have, we have a misconception that we can deal with here as well. Um, take up your ministry to serve one another. Take up your ministry to serve one another. Take up your ministry. Now, faith cannot be separate from real life. Um, in today's culture, salvation seems to have only thing that it really has to do with forgiveness of your sins. You know, you don't, you don't won't go to hell. You know, if you get if you get saved, and that's all people care about. And they say, "All right, I'm saved. Nothing more to do. God is saving. Once saved, always saved. Uh, that's it." Well, I, I want to kind of point out that it, it's only until the fifth century A.D that the church took on the, the, the major uh, symbol of the cross. Uh, the cross is always important. I mean, there's no salvation without the cross. There's no salvation without the shedding of blood, without Jesus you know, going there and suffering. It satisfied uh, you know, Scripture. Uh, it was God's way of, of showing you know, his love toward us and that he sent his only begotten son uh, to die on a cross 
you know, to become like us, to, you know, become a human. I mean, he left. Talk about leaving, uh, leaving in order to gain. You know, I mean, he left heaven in order to gain salvation for us. Uh, so he, you know, he lived that first point that we we uh, pointed out. But what was important to them was not the cross; it was a resurrection. And the reason why the resurrection was was important was because we're saved. God bless you. We're saved. Uh, and the whole idea of being saved is that we're transformed. So we're, we're not the old nature. You know, we're a new nature. You know, yes, I, I still tarnish myself, but, but I don't like it. You know, and I, I know it, and I want to I stop it. Uh, so we have a new nature. And the new nature in, in love is, is one of serving other people. And so it was the whole thing was about that their emphasis was on the regeneration, the transformation of my life from what it used to be in the world to what it, what it should be in Christ. So uh, here the, uh, the text I want you to go to is uh, 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4, starting in uh, verse 7. And we're going to go down to, to verse 11. But uh, just reading verse 7 first. 1 Peter 4, 7. Now the end of all things is near, therefore... Be serious and disciplined for prayer. Uh, we talked about reading the Bible. Well, now we're talking about prayer. So why do we need prayer? Well, uh, we already talked about the fact when I'm reading the Bible and I want to learn as much as I can, I need to have this pastor, I mean, I need to have this, this teacher-student uh, relationship. Uh, I need to pray. Lord, help me understand what I'm reading. Uh, just like the Ethiopian eunuch, how can I... How can I know unless somebody guide me? Well, in our case, it needs to be Jesus Christ. So we need to have uh, direction from him. (coughs) Excuse me. Pray at all times in the Spirit with, uh, this is Ephesians 6.18. Pray at all times in the Spirit with every prayer and request and stay alert in this with all perseverance. In other words, I'm praying for myself, but it continues and intercession for all the saints. So I'm not all by myself. We're going we're gonna to read later about the body of Christ, how we're, we're all together uh, to be a body. Uh, each one of us has a function. I'm performing a function right now. Uh, it, it's not any more important than the function that you uh, are called to. Each one of us is called to, to find our ministry. So, and we're to pray for each other, that, that we, we find our ministry, that we work on our ministry, that we are successful in our ministry. And it's important for us to be praying for each other, uh, that we work together. That's the whole idea of unity in the church, is that we're working together to see that everyone uh, is doing as best as we can. Uh, if I have a problem with, uh, with one hand, I, you know, sometimes the other hand has to, has to take care of it. Uh, Len Platten has a problem with his shoulder. Sometimes he has to do this, you know. You know, the body has to work together. I, uh, one of the reasons why I was going to uh, uh, get a picture taken today was that our old picture shows me with, with a beard. I don't normally have a beard. And I was, that was two years ago. I was recovering from uh, getting my, uh, my hip replaced. And I had a, had a walker. And let's see, this hip was getting replaced. So I was putting my weight on my walker. And by the time you get anywhere, all you want to do is lie down. So by the time I got to the bathroom in order to shave, I didn't feel like shaving. So, I, so anyway, uh, is that an excuse for laziness? I suppose I could have asked Marianne to you know, bring me the razor while I was lying in bed or something like that, but I didn't do it. At any rate, we, we have to cover for each other. So that's why we pray for each other. Uh, next two verses in First Peter uh, 4. Verses 8 and 9. Above all, maintain an intense love for each other, since love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without complaining. Uh, My one foot never says to the other one, you lazy bum, why can't I walk on you too? You know, I had to hop around on one foot. You know, so it doesn't complain. It it does what it can do in order for the whole body to, to get where it needs to be. Uh, 
So inward holiness leads to outward love, which produces spiritual service. But spiritual service without inward holiness and spiritual service without outward love is hypocrisy. Now, uh, okay, what are we talking about here? Okay, spiritual service without inward holiness. Uh, This might be the person who says, do as I say, not as I do. Remember that? You've heard that phrase? So do as I tell you. But you say, well, you're being an example. So, you know, we really need to be examples for each other. Um, and the spiritual service without outward love uh, is just one, it's, it's, a, it's duty. I have to do this. It's like the man who, uh, on his anniversary, you know, comes to the door. Uh, he, has, he has flowers in his hand. His wife answers the door, and he gives her the flowers. And she says, oh, this is lovely. And he says, yeah, I've, well, I've done my duty for the day. Well, you think she's going to be impressed by that? <laughs> uh, no. And, uh, you know, service without love is hypocrisy. You know, and, and people will know that you're doing it because you have to, and you don't really want to. The uh, love that Jesus has for the world must be a model for our love for others. So he, he gave everything he had. Uh, he, was, he was loving. He was compassionate. Uh, another verse in Ephesians 4.32 be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as God also forgave you in Christ. And this really covers uh, what we said there in First Peter. Love covers a multitude of sins. There are a lot of things that people do that we don't need to complain about. We just love them, we forgive them. I can tell you're having a bad day, maybe I can help you. You know, if, if I'm encouraging to you, you know, maybe you'll feel better about it and realize, you know, what you said, but it doesn't matter whether you realize what you said or not or apologize or not. Uh, we all have bad days. Love covers a multitude of sins. Okay, moving on to First uh, Peter 4.10. Uh, we've got much, this much to go. So we're, we're homing in here. First Peter 4.10, based on the gift. Now, this is the important part I wanted to cover. Based on the gift each one has received, use it to serve others as good managers of the varied grace of God. The varied grace of God. Um, I, uh, I happen to work in a couple of different areas. Uh, sound, for instance, is not just, I'm not, it's not just a frequency. Uh, I have harmonics. Uh, that's what makes the piano sound different from, from a saxophone. I mean, it's a, it's a harmonic structure and things like that. Uh, colors are not just a single frequency of light. They're a combination of them. Uh, my girls have a terrible time in this because you get, you get, you know, one fabric that has a combination of colors and another fabric that has a combination of colors, and in this light, they look the same. You get them in another light, and they, they clash with each other. And, and so it's this combination. Uh, we have uh, DNA in our bodies, and, and what makes us uh, all humans is the fact we all have the same kind of DNA. But we're not all the same. And I want you to know that you're not just everybody isn't uh, a certain kind of protein. You know, you've got to have all these different things in order for the body to, to fit together. And our, our body of Christ takes a combination of all different kinds of gifts. So you don't have a gift. If you're saying, I haven't found my gift, give up. Because you're not one gift. You have lots of gifts. And the question is whether or not you're willing to use anything that God makes you able to do. So let's look and see how this, this works. <coughs> Pastor probably uh, knows how to do this, doesn't he? What does he do? He, he probably, because uh, I know he coughs a lot. And he ne- I've never heard him do that. Experience. Um, let's see. Let's say good judgment comes from experience, and experience comes from poor judgment. So I, anyway, I had poor judgment there. Uh, every true believer has been gifted to serve God, or to serve others, rather. God expects us to use our gifts. So if you look at Philippians 2, uh, So then, my dear friends, just as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now even more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Remember, salvation is a transformation of our lives. Uh, for God's purpose. Uh, for it is God who is working in you, enabling you both to desire 
and to work out his good pleasure. So I'm, I'm suggesting that you turn a new leaf and be willing to volunteer for things. Uh, I worked uh, in, in a Sunday school class for uh, mentally disabled people all the way from 18 to 80. That was my, my first thing. And then I got recruited uh, by Mary Ann into a junior church. Now that I stuck with for 30 years. Uh, but I, I was, I was a, a bus captain. I was a bus driver. Uh, you know, we, we did all kinds of things in the church. Uh, I was in a choir. I still am. I was a choir director at one time, and they put up with me because they didn't, you know, the other one moved. But uh, fortunately, they found somebody who was better able to wave their arms around. The, so the point is that we're supposed to learn, and we're supposed to try different things because you never know whether or not you're going to be able to do something unless you try. You say, well, I don't know whether I can be in the choir. Well, find out if you've got any kind of range at all, whether you can, and, and if you can't, if you can't carry a tuner in a bucket, then probably not. But, you know, what you do is you try different things. So we're, we're gifted, and God has gifted you, uh, enabling to desire and to work out his good purpose. It's a way of being able to contribute to the whole church. Uh, and another supporting verse here in 1 Corinthians 12, uh, 4 through 7 and 11. Now, there are different gifts, but the same spirit. There are different ministries, but the same Lord. There are different activities, but the same God activates each gift in each person. He's going to give you more than one gift and different degrees of gifts. Uh, a demonstration of the Spirit is given to each person to produce what is beneficial. And verse 11, but one of this, uh, but one and, and of the same uh, of the Spirit is given to each person to produce what is beneficial. I'm sorry, but one and the same Spirit is active in all these, distributing to each person as He wills. He's going to distribute all these various gifts. And, it's, and each one is going to be to the measure that he gives you. Some people are better at some things. You know, maybe we all can do it, but, but some are better. And so we tend to let them uh, say, you know, that's, that really that sounds like the calling that God has given you. Uh, and no matter what you do, you're always looking for other people with the same gift that you can encourage them uh, to do as well. Uh, Psalm 37.4, Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you your heart's desires. So, you know, he's going to work in you to willing to do of his good pleasure. That's the desires he's going to put in your heart. Not your desires. Uh, it's uh, his desires. Now, the interesting thing about here is he gives everybody gifts. It's universal. But he gives to each one of us. Now, the each one there is, is a kind of a Greek word. And uh, you got to bear with us. You know, it's been a long time. Our English language has changed the words. It's, uh, the whole point is that the w Greek word is idios, which means idiot. Now, it's not that we're idiots. It's not that we're stupid. It's just that we're peculiar. And that, that word really means peculiar because it's, uh, it, it means that you're different than I am. Now, the reason when, when people were loony, they were peculiar. I mean, they, they were different. And so people called them uh, idiots. But that's not what the Greek word means. The Greek, Greek word means that he gives to everybody, but he gives to you specifically. So, uh, finally, uh, let's see, one more verse here. First uh, Timothy 4.14, do not neglect the gift that is in you. Uh, because, you know, we, uh, and, and it's a spectrum of gifts. Uh, and serving others is a good work and the evidence of a transformed life. So you're not transformed if you're still thinking of yourself as being independent and doing your own thing. So James 2:26, for just as the body without the spirit is dead, so also faith without works is dead. So he's given you faith. He's given you these gifts to work out your faith. And if we don't use them, then our faith looks dead. We don't want to look that way, do we? So finally, First uh, Peter 4:11, if anyone speaks. It should be as one who speaks God's words. So make sure, I mean, we're going to be held accountable for every idle word that comes out of our mouth. Let's make sure that they're God's words. Uh, we're not going to quote uh, Jane Austen unless she really has a godly intent. <laughs> uh, 
If anyone serves, it should be from the strength God provides. If God doesn't give you the strength to do it, maybe you're trying to do more than you ought to. Uh, If you do something, do it with uh, the capabilities that God has given you. Uh, Do as much as you can. Don't feel that since somebody else does a better job than you are, that you aren't important. Uh, All of us work as we can. There's always an example of somebody who does it better than each one of us, but that shouldn't hold us back. Because you might have have a couple dozen examples in the whole world, but that's, that's... they're not out in all the churches. All right. Uh, should be done from the strength God provides so that God may be glorified through Jesus Christ in everything. Because we can glorify God for doing things we never thought that we could do. Uh, try standing up here some, sometime. Uh, true disciples uh, act as a channel of God's gift to bring glory back to him. So God enables me to do something that is beneficial to you and you can do something that is beneficial to somebody else. Uh, we all need to be, and we're going to be talking next week about our, our, some one another verses of how we can uh, be working together. Not next week, two weeks from now. So finally, uh, Matthew, uh, last verse, Matthew uh, 5.16, Let your light shine before men so they may see your good works and glorify your Father, uh, which is in heaven. We have a, an obligation to live out our transformed life. Uh, we have an obligation to learn what that transformed life is about by memorizing God's scripture. We know it's for serving others, and we know it's not to be a, a stumbling block to others. And we have a, uh, finally here this morning, we have this obligation of using the gifts that God gives us uh, to serve one another. Each one of us has a part, and it's, it's, the, uh, it, it's what shows us that God has transformed our lives. You want to know that you're truly born again? You can look for all of these things. Do I, do I love my relationship with Jesus Christ? Uh, do I treasure his word? Am I using his word? So let's pray.